Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We are ending our Power of Routine series today talking about freedom in your life, hence the weekend. Uh, we're starting a new series next week called God's Involved. It's the, we're going to do a, a, just a walk through the book of Ruth together for eight weeks. It's going to be awesome, and I really encourage you to come on out. On your chair, you'll see these, uh, these cards. These are here for you to hand out to invite someone to church. Let's get into the Word today. I'm going to share with you seven things. I'm really going to share. I'm going to speak on three of them specifically, but I want to share seven things with you today that God has uh, kind of worked out in my life through being stuck. You know, getting stuck in life is not fun. It's not great. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what level of maturity in God you are in. Every one of us gets stuck in life. We get stuck in relationships. We get stuck financially. We get stuck in our sin. We get stuck in mindsets. We get stuck in ideas. We get stuck sometimes in life. And I want to share with you seven things to help you get unstuck. But again, I'm only going to focus on three of them today. And uh, I'm going to pull this out of a, a book of the Bible, a chapter in the Bible, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is the, the scripture the Lord gave me when I drove the first time when I was going on staff at a church. I was coming over the back of the hill and the Lord spoke Mark chapter 10 to me and said, Ryan, this is the ministry you'll have in this church or in this city. Uh, you'll be like a beacon of light to people who know God but don't know me, don't know Jesus. And you're going to be uh, show people the door of Jesus Christ so that they can have a real relationship and not a religious relationship with me. Fantastic. Let's read the scripture together. Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was standing out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not uh, cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man... Jesus felt genuine love for him. And there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, that word come in the Greek actually means take up your cross and follow me. At this the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions and we never ever hear from this man again all throughout scripture. It's pretty cool he made the Bible in the first place but now we never hear about this man ever again. This man was a ruler. He was somewhat of a, uh, a ruler of, of a certain part of the city. Uh, he was a very religious person. He was actually considered to be maybe one of the, one of the religious teachers, maybe a Sadducee, maybe a, uh, maybe a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin. He was considered to be well-versed in things of, of Mosaic law, and he was very, very wealthy. And some people believe he was wealthy either because he uh, received an inheritance from his father or he was just a smart guy from the ages of 24 to 40 years old. And so he was this young man. He had a beautiful wife and children and a beautiful home. And he, he really had a great career. And he was a moral person. And he'd always been good. And he'd always given to charity. And he'd always gone to church, every, to the temple every Sunday. And he was a, a good dad. He had all these things going for him in his life but he, he there was a burning question in this man's heart there was something missing in his life there was something that wasn't connecting there was something that wasn't making any sense and so despite the fact that every single thing that this man had in his life was so good and was so blessed he still felt like he didn't quite 
have everything that, that he, this world and this life had for him. And so he came to Jesus. And he started by saying this, Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, I'm just going to give you the first three things here today. And I want you to know they're very simple as always. They're very simple. And the reason they're simple is because I am a firm believer that if we could just do the simple things routinely, it would change our lives. Many of us want to focus on the complicated things because it makes us feel like we're more progressive in life and we're doing more because we do the hard stuff. Listen, just start by loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and see what happens next. Start by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. A strong, life-giving, deep, intimate, real, alive, non-religious relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of us focus on everything else, all the rest of these six things I'm going to share with you, but we never ever start with what is most valuable and what most important in our life. You have to start with your relationship with Jesus Christ. This man had everything, yet still there was something missing in his life. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it boldly, but I'm going to say it with compassion. I want you to know today that if, you do, if, you're, if you're stuck in a rut today and you're trying to, to get out of the rut without a relationship with Christ, without Him being the center, I want you to know you will continually come back to the same place all throughout your adult life. You will come back to the same spot over and over and over and over again until you start by surrendering your entire life to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to start there. And he doesn't just want your mind. And he doesn't just want your body. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. He wants your strength. He wants your finances. He wants your decisions. He wants your marriage. He wants your children. He wants your career. He wants your future. He wants your present. He wants your past. He wants it all. And if you can start there, I promise you this, you will experience freedom just like I did. Tremendous freedom in my life if you start with a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. This man, he learned how to do religion. You've heard this before, most likely, but in verse 19, these commandments that Jesus mentioned, he doesn't mention any commandments that had to do with the relationship between him and God. Everything here had to do with the relationship between him and man, meaning he was a good moral person. He did all the right things. He, he was not a sinner, and he didn't do bad stuff, and he was a good person. He, he was relatively a good person, yet still, Jesus said, you, you need to do these things. He goes, well, I've done those since I was young. I've done these my entire life. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Like, I, I do good things. And he says, listen, there's more to it than just that. You've got to start with your relationship with me and you have to make a decision today that you are going to serve Jesus with the core of your being. Not just with your sacrifices and your offerings but with every area of your life. This scripture in Joshua 24. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if, it's, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, there's an option there. Serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, and choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we choose. We will serve the Lord. Make a decision. You've got to choose that you're going to serve the Lord. 
And you say, Ryan, you say this every week because it's the foundation of everything that we do. I can talk to you about all sorts of spiritual nuances and apologetics and theology and doctrine. I can teach you all day long. I, I was trained in those things. I can spend all the time teaching all the deep nuances of Scripture. But if you would just start by giving your life wholly to the Lord, it would transform everything in your life. Your mind, your heart, your soul, your addictions will be transformed. Your marriage will be made new. Your finances will be reinvigorated. You've got to start with your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to just say it like I want to say it and stop being so stinking religious. God hates religion. But he loves you and your heart. Start today by making a decision. David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that he served his God's purpose for his life in this generation. I love David, and you all know this if you've been at church here. But just as a reminder, David was a man after God's own heart. David committed adultery. Let's just let that sit in for a minute. I mean, how many people in, today in churches commit adultery? And I'm not condoning adultery. Believe me, it's a terrible thing, and, and God doesn't like it at all. It's sin. But here, this man was an adulterous man. He slept with a random woman he saw out the, out the hallway there, and he, he committed adultery. Not only that, but he was an accomplice to, to, of murder. This man did not live a perfect life, and yet he had sinned so unfaithfully before the Lord, and yet he kept this in his heart. And for a year, I want you to hear me, for a year, David would go into the temple, and he would offer sacrifices and offerings for a year with deep, deep sin in his life. He was living in bondage and in shackles. And for a year, he went to church and went through the motions. So finally, a man named Nathan, or maybe Ryan, on a Sunday morning, came to him and said, Hey, you got to get this right before the Lord. You got to get things worked out. I know you've fallen short. I know you've done this thing. I know you've made a mistake. I get it. And there are re repercussions and consequences and marriage stuff you got to figure out. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes along with that. It doesn't just erase it forever. But in the eyes of God, you have to understand something that if we could just start by saying, all right, Lord, I recognize that I'm not going to get unstuck until I start a real life giving relationship with you. Look what David wrote. This is a message paraphrase just for uh, effect of nuance. But let's read it in Psalm 51. I love this verse. Look what he says. Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy. Wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I violated. And you've seen it all. And you've seen the full extent of my evil. And you have all the facts before you. And whatever you decide about me is fair. And I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then. Conceive a new true life. Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me in all of a snow white light. Tune me in to foot tapping songs and set these once broken bones to dancing. And don't look too close to, for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. And don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence, God, by salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God, and I'll let loose with your praise. Going through the motions 
doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. <laughs> you want to get unstuck? Lay your life down and surrender to Jesus. Because he came, he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross, he was buried for three days. Historically, it's proven that Jesus Christ rose on the third day and he didn't just do that to show off. He did that to bring freedom in your life. But you won't get freedom if you're reading self-help books. You won't get freedom if you go to... I love counseling and I encourage you to go to counseling. I encourage many of you to go to counseling. Lord Jesus, I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> counseling's good. Christian counseling specifically is good. But you will not be able to see the progress in your life. And I'm talking to those in the church who've been the Christians for a long time. You need to start again. Get a refresh. Go back to the start. Here I am again. Like James said, sang that song today. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. Okay, God, let's press reset today. Let's start this summer saying, all right, I'm not going to draw back. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to say, all right, Lord. There's many of you here today who are, um, have been wearing a bit of a facade. And I want to give you permission today to recognize that there's not a person in this room who isn't an adulterer in their heart, a liar in their heart, bankrupt in their heart. Every single person in this room is depraved and needs God from the youngest to the oldest. We need God. You are not better than the person next to you. We are all in need of the salvation of Jesus Christ. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't know how much Bible college you've been to. I don't care how long you've been to church. I don't care how close you think you are to God. We are all equals in the kingdom of God. And when he looks at us, he sees children who are all trying to find their way to him. And I want you to hear me today. Whether you think you are disqualified from being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can start today. And it starts by a yielding of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and picking up your cross right now and saying, all right, God, I want to die to myself and live to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's look at the second one here. These ones are a little more practical. The second one is this. You need to get a partner or a mentor. It says in Mark 10, 17, he greeted Jesus with great reverence and asked, good teacher. This rich young ruler who was well-to-do, was reverenced in that environment. He was a, like, a well-known guy. He lowered his own status and found himself someone who could be a partner or a mentor to him. Now the reason I wanted to share this is because I believe there's many people who A, uh, are too ashamed to ask someone for help, number one. And number two, they say, well, where are the mentors? Where are the pastors? Well, some of them are sitting in the room right now. You might have this idea in your mind, oh, it's going to look like this, they're going to be this successful and have this thing or talk like that or be like that. And guess what? If you spend any time with me, you know, I'm so, such a regular guy that people hanging around with me, they're like, oh, he's not as great as I thought he was. <laughs> because I don't put up this idea that I'm something I'm not. I think there's something great about that. You've got to find someone in your life that you say, okay, you change your perspective about what a mentor and a pastor looks like. This, you know, 85-year-old person who has lived life, which is a good mentor. Find those if you can. But don't be so picky. Find someone who you can look to and say, all right, you look like you got life going on. And yeah, you got garbage and stuff in your life too. But I want to learn from you. If they're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to find a pastor and a mentor. If you think you're too good to have a mentor, you ain't going to go very far in life. 
You need to have somebody mentoring and pastoring you who you can submit yourself to. And I want, the, I want you to hear me. Their job is not to serve you. Your job is to serve them. Their job is not to create space in their schedule for you. Your job is to create space in your schedule for them. They say, I can get together on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, and a Friday from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. You say, I'm changing my schedule, and I'm going to get there. Their job is not to stop everything they're doing and go with you. And this is the challenge of mentorship, is that we have to humble ourselves and say, you want to meet me at 5 a.m.? Whatever it takes to get into a relationship with you so that I can be mentored, that I can grow, that you can pour into my life, you can speak into me, you've got to find a mentor in your life. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, which isn't in my notes, but it says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Look at this, Proverbs 13.20. Whoever walks with the, the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Look at this scripture. Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 4. It says this. Look at this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Notice it says two people. In that first part, he's actually talking about two people finding another person, one other person that can benefit you, that can help you. And there's three things that these people do for you. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. Someone who fails alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. These people, what they do is, the Bible actually says that it is, uh, they, they will help you succeed. That word succeed actually means a good reward. That means that for the business folks in the room, there is a great ROI, a return on your investment. When you invest yourself into a mentored relationship, they will help you succeed. You need to have a mentorship in your life. Here's just quickly things that I've learned over being a mentor and also being mentored. They're active listeners. They listen. They have empathy. They listen to what you're saying. But they also are brutally clear. If you're with a mentor and they're fluffing you up, you find a new mentor. <laughs> Anyone spend any time with me and I mentor in that reality? I'm just going to say it like it is. Hey, listen, I love you, but I'm just going to go straight to the, to the meat here. I'm not going to have any bread. I'm just going to go right to the meat. I'm brutally clear. You need to stop doing that in your life. You need someone who's going to speak truth into your life. They're also hyper-specific. They don't give you theories or ideas. They say, okay, I want you to go and I want you to do this, this, and this. And then what happens next is they're honest about the limitations. I can only meet with you this time, this time, this time, and I'm not good at that. You need counseling there. I can't help you here. This person can help you here. And lastly, they follow up. So find someone in your life who can be like that type of person. I want to encourage you. I believe this is one of the greatest lacking things in the church today. Spiritual mothers and fathers. And I'm calling all people in this room over the age of 40. I'm commissioning you to be a spiritual mother and father to the younger people in this room. You don't waste your gifting. Don't waste your experience. Don't waste your talent. Like, like find someone. Mentor people. We need to stir that in our church. Older people mentoring younger people. And younger people recognize God has called the people in this church. You are here for a reason. You're not here to find it somewhere else. God wants to provide it right here in this house. So look around the room and say, okay, Lord, who do you want me to partner with? And we can see God do great things in your life. Okay, without a relationship with Jesus Christ and without a partner, somebody leading you on, you're going to struggle to get unstuck. The third one is this. Be vulnerable 
and community. I found this very fascinating. This man, who is a well-to-do guy, walked up, I mean, when, wherever Jesus was, he had all of his disciples, and then he had all of, probably maybe a thousand people surrounded around him. These are random folks. Let's just take the crowd out of it for a minute. This, this man walked among the disciples, stood next to Matthew. Mark's writing this public journal like, oh, look at this guy, Richard and Ruler. Okay, Richard and Ruler talking to Jesus. They're all standing there together. The disciples are all standing around Jesus. And the man comes in, shoulder to shoulder with the disciples, and said, Teacher, good teacher. What must I do to have eternal life? And Peter's like, Well, that was a stupid question. Mark's like, Shut up, Peter. Listen to him. Come on, he's sharing his soul, man. He's sharing his heart. Matthew's like, Come here, bro. I got it, bro. I've been there too, man. I was a tax collector and I was living my life. And then Jesus walked up and said, Come and follow me. And I left, I get it, bro. And then, and then Philip comes over and they're all encouraging each other. Among the disciples, this man, the, the, one of the keys to him getting unstuck, one of the keys to him experiencing what God had for him was to be vulnerable in community. You cannot be a part of the local church and come to church on Sunday. And expect to have the vulnerable community that you are supposed to be a part of as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today. Our groups are created not just to have small groups. Because I want our church to experience vulnerable, real community. So that people can experience freedom in their life. I want you to go to your group. And I want you to spend life with them. And I want you to be in there and say, guys, you know what? My wife and I had a really tough day today. Man, we had, a, we had an argument. And I'm not going to say anything dishonorable about her. But man, we struggled. And I need your help today. And I don't know what to do. And to be in that environment where you know you can get to that group. And you can stand among the disciples and say, good teacher, what must I do to fix my marriage? Good friends, what must I do to get my finances in order? Oh, what do I need to do? I don't need Pastor Ryan to be in my life. I need my community. You don't need me. You need each other. You need one another to be in vulnerable community with each other. Come on, that's what the body of Christ is all about. And I'm gauging the crowd this morning. That's why I'm leaning in a little bit. Because you know what? I don't want to be a part of a church where we check in and check out. I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't want to build a church. I don't want to be a part of a church where there's not active, life-giving community. So I want to speak to you today. A pastoral encouragement to you. In the fall, you say, Ryan, I've never been in a group before. Get in a group. You're not too good to be in a group. You say, well, I have, I have this thing and that thing. It's okay. Make time. Get in vulnerable community. You won't see the progress that you're supposed to have in your life unless you are having vulnerable community with other disciples on a regular basis. Look what this verse says in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If any one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who fell, falls alone is in real trouble. So what happens in godly, vulnerable community? They pull you up. The idea of this here is that this person accidentally fell into this ditch. They accidentally found themselves in this ditch once again. They fell in and it was an accident. I fell back into sin. I fell back into this thought process. I fell back into this season. I fell back in again. And this person is ready and willing and there to pull them up. So vulnerable community, they pull you up. They pull you up and they get you out. And the scripture says very clearly that if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It's pretty interesting. If you study this verse, it speak, Solomon is speaking to the idea of someone actually being there who's capable of pulling this person out. But because they're in the same ditch, in the same place in their life, they cannot pull the person out. 
Which means some of you are in a relationship and you think you're in a relationship, but in reality you're all alone. Because they are encouraging your discouragement. They are encouraging your bad attitude. They are encouraging your bitterness. They are encouraging your mindset. They are encouraging you to continue in the, the way you are. Maybe, I don't know about you, but I've been in this season of my life where I was really upset with church or upset with a pastor or upset with a family member or upset with a brother. And I'd sit down and they'd say, oh yeah, I hate that person too. Yeah, I don't like him too. And all they do is they're climbing into the ditch with me. And now we're both looking up saying, oh shoot, how do we get out of here? Well, we don't want to get out of here. We just want to stay here and grumble about everything else. And life's terrible. And bad weather. And the economy is terrible. And people are terrible. Church is terrible. Everyone's terrible. And we're there together like, yeah, camaraderie. And then you never get out. You've got to find people in a vulnerable community that can stand up and say, okay, I sympathize with you. I empathize with you. I have compassion for you. But now you need to stop. I've given you two days to grumble and complain about this certain situation and I want you to know I love you but now I'm going to pull you out of this thing and you need to stop. You need to get out now. I'm not going to get in the ditch with you. We're going to get out together and we're going to keep moving in life. They get you out of there. They pull you up. Vulnerable relationship. They also pull you in. Look at this verse here. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Likewise, Two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? They pull you in. The idea of this verse here is not a, a marriage relationship. Kids, plug your ears. Sexual relationship. This isn't talking about that. This is actually talking about something else. It was actually an ancient medicinal thing that they would do. That they would go out and instead of searching for an oil or a potion or a medicine, they would search for a person. Whenever someone was sick and in need, they would go find a person. Look what it says in 1 Kings. It says this, When King David was very old, he could not keep warm enough when they put covers over him. And so his attendant said to him, Let us look for a young virgin to serve the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our lord the king may keep warm. And they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The woman was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him. But the king had no sexual relationship with her. So they didn't look for a, a, a method or an idea or a mindset. They found another person. They went and found someone who, was, who had a good heart, someone who had a good attitude, somebody who had a good desire to serve the Lord and to help out. They didn't go find someone who was broken and damaged and, and unhealthy and wounded. No, they went and found someone in the community that says, man, that person right there, they are really serving the Lord. Man, I know their marriage isn't perfect, but man, I really love their marriage. Or man, I really like what they're doing in life. Or man, every time I talk to them, man, they had a really bad past, but I never hear uh, cynical comments. I always hear encouragement and fake talk. I need to go find someone like that. It's an idea of finding a person. See, this is a picture of vulnerable community. That when you come into community with one another, you've got to open the sheets up and let somebody get in with you. They've got to get under the covers. That means it makes it awkward, makes it uncomfortable. Being under the covers is unvulnerable. When they pull you in, it's, it's vulnerable, it's awkward, it's weird. It makes me feel funny. It makes me feel like, oh, this is weird to have a conversation like this. I don't want to talk about my sin and my darkness and my skeletons. But I want you to know that the New Testament local church was built on sharing all things in common, not just our finances, but each other's lives. And if you want to get unstuck in your life, you want to experience what it's like to be unstuck, you got to get into a vulnerable community. And lastly, the verse says in verse, verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated 
but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is only broken. Lastly, in vulnerable community, they got your back. You know, we live in a culture that teaches us to be super independent. But you know, the upside down kingdom teaches something opposite, to be interdependent. We live in a culture that says isolate, isolate. When the kingdom of God is be connected, be connected. Be together, be together. Join together, be vulnerable with one another. It is not good for man to be alone, Genesis says, Genesis 2.18. And that word alone means isolated. When you fight together, you fight back to back. The Bible says that you can what? Conquer. As we end here today, I want to give you just the final, the final ones from this verse. The man came to Jesus and he needed to have a relationship with God. He came to Jesus looking for a partner. He did it among vulnerable community. He said, this, he said, Jesus said to this man, there's still one thing that you lack. So today, instead of trying to do 50 new things, I want you to go home today, the area that you're struggling in, the sin that you're caught up in, choose one thing today that you can do differently. One practical thing in your life that you can change. It says, he said, there's one thing you lack, give everything you have, you need to give your finances sacrificially. And I'm not just talking about your tithe here, I'm talking about your offering. You need to give some money away. You need to unlock your finances. Give some money away. Give some money to a missionary. Give some money to Courtney. She's going to Cape Verde in January 2020. Give some money to her and say, girl, I want to bless you. I want to pay for a new car for you because she needs a car and a refrigerator and food and all sorts of stuff. I want to pay for a bunch of stuff. I just to get unlocked. He said, go. And he said, give your finances away. And he said, give it to the poor. So you got to serve someone sacrificially. Whether you join a team or whether you go to help at a mission or downtown. And lastly, and more, probably the most importantly, he said this, come and follow me. You know what that means? It means this, take up your cross and follow me. Do you know what he was asking this man to do? To forgive. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he wanted to die on the cross to give us forgiveness. And I believe, I believe this so strongly, that there are so many people in the body of Christ today that are almost free, but they need to not only accept the forgiveness of the Father, but they also need to forgive, to pick up the cross of forgiveness and forgive the person that's hurt them and forgive the dad that's wounded them and forgive the pastor that's treated them properly and forgive the brother, forgive the uncle, forgive the ex-husband who treated me improperly. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Take up your cross and follow Jesus to the cross of Calvary and crucify that on the cross and say, I know that I don't deserve it and I know that it was bad and I know they treated you improperly and I know that you deserve so much better but I want you to know that's just the world we live in a fallen nature world where people make stupid decisions you know people are just sometimes people suck people are just terrible sometimes but as followers of Jesus for us to see freedom in our lives we have to forgive but I want you to know something. I believe some of you in this room are going to walk home today and you're going to take those seven things, relationship with Jesus, a partner, community, make one step, give of your finances, serve somebody, and forgive someone. And you're going to see the breakthrough in my life. I, I had crazy addictions in my life. and I was living in sin. And I had bad attitudes. And still I struggled in so many areas of my life. You know, as a, just a normal person. I'm sure you do too. But you know what? I have seen absolute transformation and freedom in my life. 
and it all starts by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ giving your heart to him would you stand with me this morning All right, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? Lord, we just want to acknowledge today, Lord, on this day of freedom. Firstly, we want to say thank you for freedom in our country. Thank you that we can meet today, Lord, and without being arrested, without being persecuted. Lord, today I pray for every person in the room who's dealing with bondage in their life. Maybe they started this journey with you, God, and they need to find a, a mentor or a partner. Or maybe, Lord, they've got all those things, but they need to start giving their finances. Or maybe they need to forgive. Lord, wherever they're at on this, on this seven things we talked about, I pray today that you would give them the courage to start fresh today. That all the areas where they're stuck, stuck in mindsets, God, ideas about how life should be and unmet expectations in their life. Today, God, the disappointment with life and the disappointment we often feel with you. God, I pray the Lord, people would start a journey today towards freedom in their life. In every area, God, where they're stuck, every area where they're bondaged, every area where they're feeling like they can't break out, I pray for faith and for freedom and for passion and for courage. And Lord, to try again and to get up and to try again and to get up and to try again and to not quit, Lord. Today, we pull these people out of the ditch of their life. We believe that today, God, you want to do something amazing in their lives. And I pray that it would start on June 30th. They'd say, that was the day when I started a fresh journey with Jesus Christ. And I made that commitment to serve the Lord. And I, the rest is history. I just pray for every person in the room, God, who's fearful of what's going on in their life to tell somebody. I break down the lies of the devil that you're alone. Lord, I pray for those in the room who feel isolated and alone. Those who feel like they have to burden it on their own and they don't want to burden anybody else with their issues. Or, Lord, they feel broken. Or they, they don't want anyone to know what's really going on. We speak to the lie of the devil and we say, shut up. There will be breakthrough when we are vulnerable with one another. The Bible says confess your sins one to another. And guess what? You will be healed. Today, Father, I pray for every person in the room. Come on, with every eye closed. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm just, I'm in a little, I'm, a little, I'm stuck in my life. You're praying for me today. You're talking to me today. Come on, would you just place your hand in the air real quick so I can see you? Come on, right there. Put your hand in the air. Let me see. Come on, several hands throughout the room today. Come on, every eye closed in this place. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we pray for these lifted hands, God. And then we pray, Lord, that you would help them, Father. Lord, they recognize, they made the first step. They recognize, good teacher, how must, I, how must I break through this in my life? And Lord, we say, Jesus, would you come and make them desperate for you, God? Like never before, start something fresh in their life, oh God. Today, let there be a new start, a new passion, a new desire to see breakthrough in their life, oh God. Lord Jesus, we just pray, Lord, for everyone in the room, God, today who doesn't know you. Come on, you're here today. Come on, every eye closed just for a few more seconds and I'll let you go. You're in the room today. You say, Ryan, I don't know the Lord. I'd like to start a journey with him today. I'd like to become a Christian today and follow Jesus. 
disciple of Jesus today. Come on, anybody in the room, just go ahead and put your hand up there. Put your hand up there really quick so I can see you. Come on, anybody in the room today. Come on, amen. Come on, Lord, we just want to say thank you for today. Commit our lives to you. We ask you, Lord, just to take any areas of our life where we're stuck. Bring a spiritual awakening in these people's lives. As they go today, God, I pray they be blessed, filled with your power, filled with your grace, and that, God, you bless them. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.